You're listening to the Let's Be Real Podcast. Now, here's your host, Andy Hughes. Our guest right now is one of the most well-known people in the music industry. As a nationally recognized singer, songwriter, multi-platinum certified vocal coach, vocal producer, and Grammy-nominated music producer, she was inducted into the Georgia Music Hall of Fame in 2011. In addition, Billboard named her one of the top 100 women in the music business. She also has written two books and founded Jan Smith Studios, where she continues to work with top artists such as Justin Bieber, Drake, Usher, Rob Thomas, Shania Twain, the band Perry, Florida Georgia Line, and many more. We are so excited to welcome Mama Jan Smith to the Let's Be Real podcast. Mama Jan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us. How are you doing today? Thanks, Andy. It's great to be with you guys. And again, thank you so much for your patience and uh, the, the scheduling the scheduling nightmare. We always play musical <laughs> chairs trying to get things lined up. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have a, a busy schedule and you obviously love music. You've worked with it for so long. When did that passion and love for music begin for you? Well, I'm, the truth of the matter is my mother would probably tell you uh, the minute that I, that I came into the world, other than screaming, I, I, was, uh, I was a singing baby. So I, I used to harmonize with all kinds of things, just uh, sounds outside or natural things that happened in the house when my mother was vacuuming with her old Hoover vacuum cleaner. I would harmonize with that. And uh, it just became a, a sound was kind of my world. <clears throat> and um, growing up in, in Southern Baptist churches, I, I was introduced to good gospel singing and harmonies early on. And so it just became an imprint on my life. That's very interesting. And one quote that I love, sound and music is the only thing that can enter your mind without your permission. And I really started to think about that. And I thought, wow, that is true. I mean, that has to be just so awesome to you know be able to do as much as you have in the music industry. So yeah, the, the actual quote is, um, um, Music is the only thing into your heart and your mind without your permission, and that I believe that um, that's why it's so incredibly important that we are more responsible for what we're creating because it does move people. It, it does become the soundtrack of our lives, and 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 it plays into our emotions and it plays into our memory the way that nothing else can. Mm -hmm. So so music music is very valuable and should be more valuable. It's not really, it is a free creative form, mm -hmm. but for those of us who are creating music, it, it is a, um, it is a labor of love and time consumptive. So I, I do believe in mm -hmm. the economics of that, but also the, um, the stewardship of it is incredibly important. It certainly is. And speaking of creating music, you released your first album at age 15. What mm -hmm. was that experience like and what did you learn from that time period? So that was a long time ago. Uh, I'm 63 years old. And so when, when I say I, I you know, cut my first EP album when I was 15, that was then, not now. So that mm -hmm. preceded a lot of the technology that we have available now. Yeah. Um, it was a different kind of world then. Um, you had to go to other studios. You couldn't have one on your laptop and not everybody had a, you know, a, a studio in their basement. So um, it was really exciting going into the studio and learning about recording the, the old school way on two inch tape and really having to lay out you know, piece by piece of what I had composed in my head and doing the harmonies and background vocals. And I actually played bass on all of my first uh, guitar and bass on my first album. Um, so it was a learning process. It was like a, a an incubator, I think, uh, if you will, for for what I have grown into becoming with uh, 
with production and, and having the availability of technology now, but that was then and this is now. So making records is a real different, a, a different animal. It certainly is. And speaking of the technology, even, you know, the ability to be discovered is a lot different now. I mean, you work with Justin Bieber. He was discovered on YouTube. From your perspective, that has to be uh, very different right now as well compared to when you started. Yeah, because you have visibility instantly. Um, you also have everybody else's input and criticism into what you're doing. Whereas, um, it, you know, it was... I would say it was more of an innocent time when I was coming up because we didn't have the availability of, of PR. Mm -hmm. That was something that only, you know, big artists and record companies could afford. Now PR is something as simple as, you know, popping something out on Instagram on your phone. Yeah. Um, but, but I appreciated at the same time that it's allowed artists who, who have not been able to have or be in those um, geographic locations to have visibility uh, like Justin. Justin was in Canada and you know Scooter uh, just happened to see him in a in a in a video clip that was um, Justin was performing in a, in a, uh, a talent show I think and and so the lineage of that whole you know startup of, of how he was discovered and you know Scooter brought him and his mother Patty to Atlanta and um, Usher got involved who was one of my clients at that time and then um, you know, they Scooter and Usher basically brought him just into me to be able to work with him on his development. So it was a it's a really sweet process. And mm -hmm. uh, the thing that was kind of scary about it, honestly, is how rapidly all of that um, grew to be a mass following worldwide. And I do mean worldwide because mm -hmm. I traveled with him uh, to different countries during that tour. And it was amazing to see the reach that he had because of social media. That was a that was a real eye-opening experience. Yeah, it's definitely a powerful tool for sure. Now, obviously, we talked about you released an album at age 15. At what point of your life did you start to turn your focus on working with other artists? Uh, good question, and I'm asked that often, Andy. I, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really make a decision just to all of a sudden. Um, you know, abandon being an artist and then start teaching. It really came about as a result of just helping other people while I was doing my own thing. I was very focused on my own artist career and um, ended up doing commercial work and, and creating, um, you know, uh, jingles and cartoon voices and things. And being in studios most of my life, I, it just became a a secondary thing to lay down some background vocals for somebody else's record. And then I got involved in, you know, helping them make better songs and production, which is that's part of production. And then uh, because of my ability to orchestrate and to compose, I, I could hear, you know, what needed to happen. And I played with my own band. So I knew what other artists needed around them uh, and their songs in a studio. And it just, it was kind of a natural outpouring of just wanting to help other people have what they needed. And, yeah. Um, then I made the mistake of saying yes one time <laughs> to, um, to a guy that was running a, a rock and roll guitar school. He had a client that was losing his voice and asked if I thought I could help him. And I said, yes. And from that, other people started seeking me out because nobody was really catering to the needs of rock singers and rap singers and what I would consider, you know, my people, street singers, you know, um, yeah. and everything at that point was classical and, and nobody uh, in the, in the rock and roll world really 
uh, was attuned to wanting to, you know, learn opera. They wanted to learn skills that could help them be better at what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I just happened to be that bridge between both worlds and could take what I knew to be uh, good education on that side and then make the vernacular fit for my rock artist and my rap artist and people like me. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of how that happened. And 33 years later, here we are. That's outstanding. And <laughs> when you have an artist that comes to you, what are some of the, the goals that you have when you're working with them? Because obviously, yes, you're, you're there to work with them on music, you know, vocals. But to me, you're called Mama Jan. It seems to be a lot more than just that. It <laughs> seems like you're really trying to connect with each person that you work with. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know that I could work with people if I didn't have a connection with them. You know, caring about them is part of um, part of the work, I think. Really loving what I do, but also loving them. My, my number one goal is to really help people be excellent at who they are and what they do. And I think that if people are struggling with who they are, they're not going to be very um, accomplished in what they're doing. So helping people to be um, better. And if that means encouraging them, you know, spiritually, emotionally, uh, with their lifestyles, etc. And then also helping to provide them with the skill set to be able to, to build their craft to where they can really be proud of what they're putting out and what they're offering and have the stamina to withstand the demands that are placed on us as artists in today's you know, business of music. Absolutely. I mentioned you, you're called Mama Jan. Who actually started that nickname? <clears throat> well, uh, so driving it to the public's ears, um, mm-hmm. Usher would, would be the person that would, um, he's the one who kind of took it and ran with it. And, and because he was, he was uh, very prominent at that time in, in my career and also in his own. So when, uh, he used that and, and that handle in you know interviews and things then that's how it became known in the industry I was working with uh, prior to Usher there was a young man named John Hopkins who um, now plays with uh, the Zach Brown band and another artist named Jeffrey Butts who was uh, a local musician with another band and and when those boys would come in and out they would always say hey mama or you know, I'll see you next week mama and so when Usher started coming in during that time and people sort of, you know, behind the scenes already knew me as Mama Jan. That just became the handle that people knew me as. And then the industry mm-hmm. um, started interviewing me and call and coining that. So that's kind of how that happened. Huh. I love that. And, and what, what do the artists call their actual mothers then? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know, but it ain't Mama Jan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's really cool. When looking back at your career, I feel like, people in your position, they all have that breakthrough moment where maybe there was a moment where you look back and you say, wow, that was huge for my development and really put me on the map. What was that moment for you when you look back? Rob Thomas is one of the first major signed artists that I worked with years ago when they were first starting out. Um, There was a gentleman named Matt Surletic, who is a very, a very prominent uh, producer in our industry now. But when I was first starting out at the Atlanta School of Rock at the guitar school I told you about, Mm -hmm. um, there was, uh, you know, Matt was a 15 year old kid that, that had his own little local band and he came in and I, I worked with them a, a few times. And then um, from that, he went on and graduated from high school and went down to Florida state university, I think, and pursued a, a career in, 
in music composition. He ended up um, um, being a part of the production and the band Collective Soul for a while. And then uh, Matt found this young singer, this young band, uh, and the young singer happened to have been Rob Thomas. And so with Matt, with, with Matt's success in the industry and as a young producer, he had uh, kind of the honest on him to be the next young, hot rock and roll producer. And he had this band called Matchbox 20 and he bought, he brought Matt, uh, Rob Thomas in for me to work with him because he had known of me when he was 15. Mm -hmm. So the lineage of that and the relationship of that is very precious to me, but also Rob Thomas was the first national artist that actually claimed me publicly as his vocal coach um, and made it kind of a, a statement that it was important as a rock singer that he knew how to take care of his voice and, and that it mattered that he had someone like me in his corner to help coach him to, to make him better. And from, from there, it kind of opened up a lot of doors. Uh, one of those being, you know, Usher, uh, and then you know, obviously, meeting Usher led to the relationship with Scooter Braun, which led to Justin Bieber. So it's mm -hmm. it's it's always a relationship um, answer to that question. But at the beginning of all that, I would say Rob Thomas was the one who claimed me publicly first. Very cool. Yeah, Rob Thomas definitely has had a, a tremendous career with Matchbox Twenty, and and you mm -hmm. mentioned Justin there. You were his first vocal coach. It has to be pretty cool to just see how how much he's developed and how much he's grown into the star that he is today. I mean, as we're recording here, he is one of the, the top songs in the world right now. I mean, yeah. that has to be just so rewarding to not only see where he started, but where he is now and then see that progress. It, it is. Uh, you know, I, I met Justin in December of 2008 uh, before the world was screaming every time he came in the door or left. Um, and and I was also um, very intimately involved in that, that whole first world tour, um, really helping um, to maintain his voice because he was going through puberty. And not just vocally, he was going through puberty, but in his life, he was going through puberty, yeah. which was a very, very challenging, very challenging time for any person uh, male or female, but especially when you are uh, doing that in the eyes of the world. So yeah. um, helping, you know, just to keep him uh, as, as far as I could stabilized vocally and otherwise and, and, and kind of be a cushion around him and a mentor. I, I think that I did that pretty good. And, and, and um, even to this day, you know, Justin uh, and I are, are still uh, close and he uh, definitely still relies on me for some wisdom and also to pray with him. And I, and I'm, I'm just so thankful that he's been able to see his way through the hardest parts of all that and to understand the truth of who he is and who God created him to be. And, and is now at a better balanced way as a young man to be able to really uh, fulfill the mission statement that was began in him uh, a long time ago. And I believe we're going to see great things from him. I'm very proud of him. And um, also, uh, you know, actively support him in what he's doing. Yeah. And you answered one of my, my next questions was going to be, you know, you're working with a young artist and they're growing up like that. That had to be a little bit of a challenge, just, you know, puberty, not only with the voice, but also just, every, you know, everybody was kind of watching him grow up through social media and everything. It's more, it's more than a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. I think, that, I think that it's, it's very difficult, first of all, for people who are not in this industry to understand this industry. Um, I think that's why so many people are, um, you, you know, 
wanting to know more about it, but it's, it's very difficult to understand the navigation in the industry. But when you take a young person like that, or any person, quite frankly, <clears throat> who all of a sudden is catapulted into, into massive stardom and visibility, mm-hmm. it, it's rather like being hit by a freight train. And there's really no way to prepare for that. Everything is happening so fast. And even with people like myself who are, have been in this industry most of my life and I understand it. It's still fast. It's still difficult sometimes to run, to keep up with and to uh, certainly to keep your balance in. I have, um, you know, lost my balance a few times and fallen from grace and, and, and it, and it's difficult because there's so much being thrown at you. And uh, so much of the world that, that people are not really accustomed to just having presented on a, on a platter for them. So you can only imagine that being put on steroids by the time somebody turns 16 and hasn't even had the opportunity, quite frankly, to grow up and get their balance. And they're being knocked off balance left and right, just to be able to, to keep up with, the, the major success and the demands on their time. Mm, it's, yeah. it's pretty daunting to be honest with you. Um, and, and people say, Oh, I wish I could, you know, have that or be rich and blah, blah, blah. But they, they really have no clue mm-hmm. how absolutely devastating and difficult it can be. Oh yeah. I could only imagine that's a, a ton of pressure for someone that young. So I'm glad that uh, he had Mama Jan behind him. Uh, he definitely pulled through. So that's awesome. I appreciate now, it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, looking at uh, your coaching, do you have a specific style of coaching? Or or maybe the better question is, do you have a style? Because I feel like if you're working with over 4,000 artists over the years, each person is a different talent. They have all different personalities. I feel like there's no one-size-fits-all coaching style. Yeah, there's really not. I I think that that was the issue that I kind of had with uh, with classical and, and pedagogy is and and mind you I have great respect for that and the things that I've learned growing up but um, one size doesn't fit all and and the truth of the matter is more classical forms are homogenous in nature it's about the conformity of the group or the choir um, really as it's orchestrated by the composer in the piece of music well in contemporary music it's heterogeneous we are all individuals and that individual expression is is what it's about so for me uh being able to tailor make what i do to meet the demands of each individual voice and their style and the all the little clips and pops and breaks and quirks and things that they want in their voices and music and at the same time uh the more underpinning which is homogenous like the breathing work, the foundational stuff, the form issues having to do with pitch and tonal hearing and, uh, and, and intervals, all of that, you know, combined is what I do. And I think the thing that makes us unique at Jan Smith Studios is that we, we do assess each person as they come in and do an eval so that we know kind of what the blueprint should be for this artist. Are there some things that are the same? Uh, absolutely, the the approach may be the same, but then the vernacular of how that works out with that artist might be completely different. And making sure that we are aware of the differences and the individuality is what I believe helps us to make people better at what they're doing. Our podcast is called Let's Be Real, and the real, the E stands for empathy. And I have to think that empathy is a critical part 
of coaching for you. And I think the unique part about you is that you were an artist at a young age, so you can probably relate to a lot of these artists that come into you, and, and that has to be critical when it comes to coaching. No, I think, I think that um, understanding people and empathizing with where they're coming from, being able to relate to them, it's not only important, you know, in vocal coaching or any kind of coaching, but it's important in life in general, mm -hmm. making sure that we're listening to people, um, not just not just hearing something that they're saying, but really listening and understanding what they're asking for and then helping them, uh, you know, to build on what, what it is they're needing is the part of that. I, I think if there's an empathy, it's in the understanding and the hearing of that, really, really, really taking that in and knowing what someone is needing or where they're coming from um, is, is probably half of the game. It certainly is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One thing that I love that you said, until you're dead, you can always learn something. And I thought that was a, <laughs> that was a great quote because even somebody you know, like Justin Bieber, for example, or maybe a top athlete or something, a lot of them actually have coaches. And I feel like some people don't, don't know that. Like, you know, there's a lot of top athletes and musicians, they're on the top of their game. And people just think, oh, they can just keep it on cruise control and, and not really develop. But that's not the case at all. A lot of them actually have coaches. And they really try to learn every day. Could you talk uh -huh. about the importance of that um, in your industry, especially because I feel like a lot sure. of people don't really think that a coach is important, even if you're at the top of your game. So I, I think that it's more critical when you're at the top of your game and, and I'll use professional athletes as a good example. Mm -hmm. I always, you know, pull LeBron James out of the hat to say, Hey, to, to, uh, to anybody who thinks that they don't need a vocal coach, it's like, well, does LeBron James have a coach? And everybody always says, well, yes. And then I look at him and say, why? And, and it's like, well, because he's great. And he won't, <laughs> you know, he wants that person to give him feedback and to spot him. And I said, well, okay. So that's how LeBron James maintains his greatness is by listening to the feedback of someone who can actually uh, see him play from a perspective that he himself cannot see, then why would a great vocal athlete not do the same? Mm -hmm. and, and, and what you notice is that those vocal athletes who are at the top of their game um, and people in the industry, even you know producers, etc., they, they are the people who will open themselves up the most uh, to be to to be taught, to learn, to, to seek out wisdom so that they can better their skill set because they're smart enough to know that they don't know everything. So I, I think that um, one of the things that I like to say to people is that I'm, I'm not just a vocal coach, I'm training vocal athletes right. because it puts it on, on a different perspective and people are able to understand it a little better. And then it makes my singers not feel like, you know, oh, this is going to mess up who I am or, or you know, how I sing, it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to actually enhance the whole process of you being you and make you excel. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I totally agree, though, it makes a lot of sense to, to put it that way as a vocal athlete that really does change the, the perspective. Mm -hmm. Now, you've worked with over 4000 artists now, what drives you to keep going every day? I think I heard you say that if you won the lottery today, you'd be back in the studio tomorrow. Uh, so first of all, I've probably in 33 years have worked with over 4,000 at this point, um, just me alone. And then the studio, we see 200 people a week. Wow. Uh, so if you do the math on that for 30 something years, it, it, it probably goes over, over that number. But 
regardless of that, um, I, I do say that if I won the lottery today, I'd be here tomorrow because I, I, I am blessed beyond measure, Andy, to do what I do. Uh, first of all, God has just blessed the work of my hands in ways that I could have never imagined. I, I couldn't have dreamed all this up. It's kind of nuts. Um, and, and, and I'm grateful and very humbled by it, but also, uh, the fact that I, I get paid for being who I am mm-hmm. and I also get paid for helping other people. I, I, I don't know any greater luxury than that. So, uh, I, I'm very, grateful and humbled by what I get to do every day to pour into others and the fact that I'm sought after for my advice or wisdom on how to help people be excellent. Uh, Why wouldn't I want to come back here tomorrow? Why wouldn't I want to be doing what I'm doing? I love what I do. I love that. Yeah. You you put that uh, so well, you know, you're, you're getting paid to, you know, to do what you love and, and that's really the goal in life. So it's amazing what you've been able to do. And in addition to the artists that you work with, I love that you, you also post a uh, Q&A with Mama J video mm-hmm. each week answering questions uh, from fans. Uh, that has to be pretty cool, too. Not only are you working with artists, but you also have a platform to maybe help an artist of the future or, you know, somebody that's just a fan. You know, it's pretty great fun. Uh, that's that's um that's something that I get to shoot every year and um, we get a lot of questions and, and also because we work with so many artists throughout the week, we're kind of aware of what people are asking for and needing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so my, my, my good friend, Mill Cannon, uh, who I've been in the trenches with for many, many years, he's a, he's a professional filmmaker and a cinematographer and, and photographer. He does a lot of great video work for artists like Carrie Underwood and Usher, et cetera. But, we set up in my studio and of course he provides the great lighting and the, and I have mm-hmm. makeup artists. They make me look real good. But the bottom line is it's, it's pretty fun to be able to just give those, those little, uh, the we'll call them niblets of, of wisdom to help people along their way. Um, and then, and then to maybe encourage them to think about, you know, more ongoing types of instruction and, and help that they could seek out, to make them better. But yeah, we have a great time with the Q and A's with mama J. Yeah. Those are really fun to watch. Definitely check those out. Another thing too, that you did was uh, you decided to write a couple of books. What made you go into that direction? I'm sure that was a pretty cool process as well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the middle of a, uh, of another one. Oh, nice. my, third, my third one is, uh, is going to be a little bit more about the chronology of my life as a vocal coach and, and some of the artists that I've worked with therein with some vocal anecdotes. But the very first book that I wrote with my friend Ginger Emma Schlanger um, is a, is a, it was a beginner's kind of handbook. I had a lot of artists at that time that were kind of beginning rock band type of artists and they just didn't know about equipment and booking gigs and basic vocal things. And so we, we did that one. And then uh, the second book is really not so much related to, to my career at all. It, it's more related to uh, my personal life and my testimony and uh, a fall from grace um, in my life that, that led me down a road of adultery and God's redemption therein. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing uh, what, what God uh, did to really reclaim my focus and my life and my heart and um, has just done a, a, a mighty work in my life. And I'm, I'm so honored and privileged to do what I do now, but also to speak to that because I think a lot of people um, may not be struggling with the same thing <clears throat> that I struggled with, but they have places in their life 
where they are struggling and they need hope. And I needed hope. I needed hope to know that, that I could see my way out of uh, decisions that I had made when I was living my life without restraint. And that's what my book, uh, Run the Other Way, is about. It's about <clears throat> my own personal adultery and, and then my infidelity to God and how, um, how God has reclaimed my life and the redemption uh, of me therein. So that's, that's what that book is about. And, um, and then the new book, I, I don't really know what the name of it's going to be yet. I think, I think I may call it One Voice at a Time, but I'm not sure. I like that. That's, that sounds like a good title. <laughs> um, the, um, you were talking about your journey. What would you say was your biggest challenge in your career? And, and what did you do to overcome that adversity? Hmm. Um, well, I just mentioned, you know, part of that li- living, living your life without restraint mm-hmm. um, can, can lead you uh, into making some decisions sometimes that, that you, you might have not wanted to have made. Uh, mm-hmm. but, the, but then the learning, the learning part that comes out of that and the wisdom that you garner from making mistakes is, is not a bad thing. I think it's what you do with it uh, after mm-hmm. the fact that matters most. I believe that uh, probably that was a, a, a big challenge for me because it happened in the middle of my professional career mm-hmm. uh, with people I was making music with and it, and it was just very difficult. Emotionally, it was tearing me apart being able to um, stabilize my life and, and then also to really recognize at the same time what God was doing to open other doors. And, and I do mean very specifically other doors because my own performance career was the thing that I had always lived for. And I had to uh, relinquish that. I had to recognize that, um, that that probably was not going to be uh, the, the pivotal part of my life going forward and that helping other people was. So for me to be able to shift gears, so to speak, from my, my own uh, self-absorption and also my own self-driven career into allowing that work to happen to where I was helping other people and launching their careers, that was a, that was a hard thing, a hard pill to swallow. And I can't say that I came into this whole Mama Jan, Jan Smith Studios vocal coaching thing without kicking and screaming. Uh, I had a, had a little bit of a moment there where I just kind of didn't want to uh, didn't want to admit that that was the calling on my life. I'm, I'm 100%, you know, resolved to that point now. I'm very happy and, and grateful and thrilled and all of that. But it was it was difficult. That was a turning point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely understand that being a, a turning point for you and, and hard because you're, you know, you were so focused on your own career, but mm-hmm. it's amazing what you've been able to accomplish. I mean, when you have uh, Usher go on a stage and say, behind every great artist is Mama Jan, that has to mean a lot to you. Uh, I will say it, it's a very humbling thing. Um, just, and not even that, that artists like that, who Usher's always been so very gracious and I, mm-hmm. I, I love him as a, as a human being and as an artist, I have utmost respect for him. And he's also been very gracious and uh, as have several other artists in, in, you know, thanking me publicly, but um, even just watching them walk on those stages, just being a part of their success and seeing them knowing that I've had something to do um, with, with where they are now is, is such a great thing. And, and therein lies the, uh, 
the appreciation for the work that I do, that the, the accomplishment in it, I get to see that. Um, I really get to experience that. And it's an amazing thing uh, to, to watch and see and be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And, you know, it's funny. I talked to former Disney executive Lee Cocker on this podcast a little while ago, and he made the connection of leadership to a mother. You know, it, you know when you think about your mother, they were always clear with you. They were always making sure you were doing the right thing. And there was plenty of clarity and discipline. And it all makes sense now. Mama Jan, um, <laughs> it's, it's clear. So um, well, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I definitely... Um... I definitely love my clients and I, and I also, I think the truth works. Um, and it it certainly works in life and and works in business and, and with my clients, you know, I'm going to love them, but I'm also going to tell them the truth. If I think they suck, I'm going to tell them they suck. And, 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 okay, now if you suck, what can we do to make this better? And then really, you know, be there with them, be there with them to help guide them through that process so that they can be better and feel good about it. Uh, but to also be that person, that they can rely on for the truth. I I think that people in my industry, especially the ones who are more successful, lose perspective very quickly when everybody's telling you what they think you want to hear versus what you really need to hear. And so my artists know, even years later, I'll have some of them call me up and ask me for my opinion because they know I don't need anything from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want them to know that uh, what what I what I need from them is their love and their respect. But I'm going to give them the truth, whether they like it or not, right. because that's more important to me. And I'm the one that has to live with myself after I, you know, get off the telephone call. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it, you, you have to be real and, and respect them. And you know, yeah, if you're honest with them, eventually it's going to pay off. Because if you just tell them what they want to hear, they may not really be able to develop at all. So I think that's really important that you're honest with them. So uh, that that's definitely great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, where can everyone find more information about your books and, and your work that you're doing right now? The easiest thing to tell people is, uh, you know, if they if they Google me, M A M A Mama Mama Jan, you'll find me. But uh, Jan Smith Studios or JanSmith.com is my website, and then um, you can find me on any social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, whatever, Facebook. Uh, it's it's Mama Jan Music, and again, it's M A M A J A N, and then whatever the rest of that is, but you can, you can find me just Google mama Jan. You'll, you'll end up finding mm-hmm. me. I've done that. Yeah. I've Googled you. There's, there's a lot out there for sure. <laughs> so a lot of great, a lot of if great you, content. If you live, if you live long enough, uh, you're, you're going to have all kinds of stuff out there about you, I guess. <laughs> Maybe you'll get a lot of uh, requests, people needing help with, with uh, singing here at SAP. Who knows? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Mama Jan, I really enjoyed this. This was uh, so much fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing all the impact you make in the year 2020. Uh, ah, with, you, the, with you, the music world's always in good hands. So uh, thank you so much again for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to talk with you.